Welcome to Medical Educator Talks. Hello and welcome to MedEd Cafe, the DMEG podcast series where we sit down with developing medical educators and talk about all things hashtag MedEd. In today's episode, committee members LJ and Cara reflect on the DMEG workshop run at the Academy of Medical Educators Conference in June 2023. Well, welcome everybody. LJ and I are getting together over tea slash water slash coffee and to talk about our workshop at the Academies and Inways conference that happened a week ago now. So we thought it would be really cool for us to get together and have a debrief and talk about, you know, all the things that went well, the stuff that didn't go so well, the things that surprised us. And um, the other reason we wanted to do it is we wanted to share with everyone what was discussed. We got loads of messages like DMs, WhatsApps, and even on our Twitter threads about like, what did you guys talk about? I want to know, how do we support our medical educators? So off to you. <laughs> well, sharing <laughs> is caring, part. right? So yeah. I think in, even in designing the workshop, we, re- we were really, really keen that it was, you know, people could engage with it beyond the conference itself. Mm-hmm. Conferences aren't necessarily entirely accessible to everybody. You yeah. may, may be abroad, you may not be able to come because of funding or yeah. you're busy that day, you can't get released from work. So we thought, actually, for everyone at home, everyone at work, everyone asynchronously, here is, we, we posted on Twitter the the workshop and the prompts that we were giving mm-hmm. the people live in the room at the same time. And then, you know, people replied to us later down the line um, and engaged with it beyond that. And that was really great. And I think that that really sits well with the ethos of DMEG yeah. as, as the people hosting the workshop that we want to have as many people developing themselves as educators as possible not just those in the right room at the right time and also if being acutely aware going to a conference you might might want to go to two different workshops at the same time yes Yes. and you can't go to both so actually we just sort of presented another option for those who perhaps went to a different workshop at the time but they can still engage with it a bit later on so I think we did a really good job in designing it and sharing it and this is an extension of that isn't it isn't it it totally is. And who hasn't felt workshop or conference FOMO? Like, haven't you been on Twitter and seen like all these tweets from people being like, this is such an awesome session. It's changed my life. <laughs> I, you know? And you're like, what did they talk about? <laughs> so going to the workshop, why don't we start by giving like a, a brief description of what our workshop uh, structure was because in 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 the spirit of like sharing and and helping everyone to be involved we really think this formula worked quite well and so we're so happy if you want to replicate it at your home institution or even do it with like your meded buddies if you have a MedEd crew, if you're lucky enough to have a MedEd crew or it with your students or whoever. So, LJ, do you want to take us through that? Sure. I can paint a word picture. It's the best of my yes. ability. So yeah. as workshops are, we were in a room, a little side room off to the side. We had 
I think it was sort of five or six sort of tables with small mm-hmm. groups on. We had about 30 people in the room. Um, we introduced the session, we introduced the rules, i.e. you get out what you put in um, and that it's going to be very active. I think the people in the room, if any of those 30 people are listening, they'll, they, they will know the energy that was in the room. Yeah. Cara, if you've ever met Cara in real life, she's very energetic. <laughs> it was very, very boom, 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 let's go. Um, so the high energy, high enthusiasm room. So the first task that you put to the people in the room was to, amongst their groups, think about all those things that they find really frustrating about being in medical education or, or developing themselves as a mm-hmm. medical educator. And we had a range of people, people very early in their careers, people in the mm-hmm. middle, people sort of a lot more senior within medical mm-hmm. education. So we sort of changed tack a little bit and said actually how what what was frustrating for you what you know and and maybe sit and listen to the barriers that those more junior to you are bringing up so from there everyone had their frustrations all those little things that annoy them all those little barriers we got them Mm -hmm. to write them down on post-it notes and then we shared that everyone shared with the group like their frustrations and then we got people to physically put those post-it notes with those frustrations in a little bin we had a little waste paper basket yeah yeah so I ran around with a waste paper basket everyone put their physically put their frustrations annoyances and barriers in the bin Mm -hmm. which I thought was quite fun yeah I thought it I thought it was it was great because the the idea was was that we wanted people to share their experiences, be vulnerable, but also get those grievances, those negative feelings out, right? Who hasn't been to a Mm. conference and been like, there's a load of rubbish, like they're saying this is new and innovative or yeah, like we're going to be able to implement that. So what we wanted was people to be really open and honest. And in order for the rest of the workshop to work, we needed people to express those grievances, but then be ready to put them aside for the sake of the next exercise. So that's a that's a really good summary of the first third of the workshop. So what did we do next? So after everyone had put their stuff in the bin, mm-hmm. it then allowed them space to be productive. So mm-hmm. rather than just be productive, we wanted to go full force, no holds barred. What is the dream? Mm-hmm. And you, it could be anything. It could be a role that you want. It could be how you use your time. It could be a research project you'd love to do. And it, there was no limit at all. No, no money limit, no time limit, no nothing. It was just mm-hmm. whatever your wildest meta dream was. Mm-hmm. And we asked people for that. And it was amazing Yeah. to see people like kind of hitting a wall of like, oh, it'd be really nice to have £1,000. I'm like, no, you can have no. more money. <laughs> and it was like, man. Yeah. Why do you even need money? Why can't all these things just be free? And it was yeah. just watching these people like just their minds blowing yeah. in front of our eyes. It was amazing. Yeah. And I echo like your thoughts. Like it was so interesting watching people struggle with that. Like mm-hmm. how hard it was for these, you know, science-based professionals <laughs> yeah. to talk about things in, in in such an imaginative, like not holding anything back way. So that was the second exercise. Mm-hmm. And with our um, character fee that we had sort of constructed, we used fee as sort of like an example to, to sort of generate discussion. And, and in case we weren't clear about it already, 
each of these exercises were done within the small group. So on those different tables, we had separate groups and they were facilitated by um, one of the DMEG committee members. So these discussions weren't just happening without help. There was at least four of us in the room and we were swapping between tables to help generate discussion, but also like um, set like the rules and boundaries because it was interesting to watch group dynamics. But we can talk about that later. So on to the next one. What was the third exercise that we gave people? So after everyone shared their wildest dreams and, mm -hmm. you know, got, got onto their little clouds, we then having explored the the rubbish end and the most amazing end of medical education there is we brought everyone back to the middle mm -hmm. brought everyone back down to earth so much so that we asked them to come up with one practical thing that they could do today or tomorrow or at some point that whatever they wanted but a practical mm -hmm. thing they could do to make a positive step in their med ed career journey so mm -hmm. we, we weren't saying the task weren't going to be something like you know find a mentor yeah something you know, break that down like how yeah. are you going to go about doing that and then break it all the way down to these tiny little steps does that mean that you have to speak to someone at this conference does that mean that you have to send an email mm -hmm. and then break that down even more like who are you going to email when are mm -hmm. you going to do it are you going to do it from your personal email are you going to do it from your work email like breaking it all the way down into these tiny little chunks so just a positive step, one single positive step, and it can just set you mm -hmm. off. It's that activation energy, I think. We were trying yeah. to to bring everyone, use all this enthusiasm and all this excitement that we generated in the room. Like I said, it was high-powered, high high-paced, very excitable, mm -hmm. and just try to put that energy into one task. Because it's mm -hmm. so easy to leave a workshop having feeling very inspired, but actually mm -hmm. overwhelmed with the inspiration of it all. Yeah. And yeah. I think actually having that in the workshop, a, a very specific what are you going to do and helping mm. people towards coming up with whatever they've come up with make it smaller make it more doable I think yeah. lots of people went away from it with a real sense of oh I can do this yeah yeah it was well, nice. that's, well that's good <laughs> we did our job because that was the idea right we wanted to inspire people but importantly we wanted to empower them and I think sometimes when there are symposia, workshops, keynote speeches or whatever, there's so much like you're saying buzz that when it comes to like the practical elements of like taking a step in the right direction, we don't really give our participants time to think about that. And I thought this was interesting as well, how that was something else that I saw participants struggle with because they automatically went to, oh, I'm going to do a PG cert. And, you know, that that's great. Of course you want to do it. But what I have seen in my experience with people, um, both with like students and other people I've mentored, is that they make their goals like kind of vague. And really what you need to do, like you were alluding to earlier, is break it down into very, very tiny steps that are achievable. Uh, and it's it's in it was interesting to watch people think about 
those steps. So I think what I'll do is just summarize sort of the format of the workshop. So we had people at separate tables and we had an introductory sort of a briefing where we talked about what we were going to do during the workshop. And then we introduced the fact that we were going to engage in three different exercises. And these exercises were going to take place within the groups um, that people had been assigned to at their tables. And we had three exercises. The first was where people brought out their sort of grievances or negative experiences regarding a career meded. The second was about the big dreams they had for their career meded. And the third was sort of what are you going to do about it? And as LLJ, you've talked about, it was super high paced, super fast, but that was done with consent. <laughs> like we yes. told everyone at the <laughs> beginning, right? Do you remember I said that? I, I I I sped up like even more my 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 um my my uh, rate my voice rate I I sped it up and 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 basically said listen if if you're not up for this right now that's totally fine you can leave the room whenever you want but if you're gonna stay here you're gonna engage that's 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 what this is this is an opt 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 out exercise if you signed it up yeah. <laughs> So that was really good. And we would encourage anyone who wanted to engage with this sort of format to do it, because I think what worked well about that high pace thing is that the, the idea of these exercises, specifically the first one and the second one, is that there are no bad ideas or suggestions. So the idea, the the concept is, is that it's kind of like a it's a judgment free zone. Um, and that means that everyone's experiences are respected, but also their hopes and dreams and everything else are, are also respected. So I really enjoyed that. And I don't think that would be the last time that we do that. Uh, no, LJ. it lends itself so well to being repeated. So if you are listening and you're in a sort of position where you're in a, a network or community of early career educators, whatever that looks like for you, use the format go for it like and do it again keep doing it because it doesn't stop like the frustrations will creep back in mm -hmm. the the dreams may change the actions that or the positive steps that you might make will change by virtue mm -hmm. of moving through time so mm -hmm. absolutely it's repeatable like I'm going to do it to myself every now and again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it could be an exercise that we could actually do with the committee um, it's a really great um, thing to sort of implement, actually, on a yearly. But there you go. We're getting ideas while we're doing the podcast. Ding, ding, so, ding. <laughs> <laughs> so if I was to move on now, like the educator in me has something that we can follow for our debrief. <laughs> and you've of heard of it before. I know. I know. But I thought it's great because I truly believe that this isn't like these sort of tools that we use shouldn't be kept secret. And I know people um, share their ideas within the sort of research realm with sort of sharing their stuff through peer reviewed articles. But there are other ways to share resources and podcasts is one of them. So what we're going to use for our debrief is a weather model that I use with my students. And so what you need to do is basically draw a circle and um, divide that circle into quarters. And in each of those quarters, what you want to draw is a sun, uh, a rain cloud, a lightning bolt, and some squiggly lines for the fog. And the idea is through this debrief, we'll work through that weather cycle. So the sun is talking about things that went well. The rain is, surprise, surprise, about the negative things that happened and, and things that actually could have 
gone better? Like, what would we do differently moving forward? The lightning is about talking about um, things that really shocked you, like surprised you, made you think differently. And then the fog gives space for people to talk about the things that they, they didn't understand. And I think that's so important when you're doing a debrief that you leave space for that for that. Now, it's not going to be so childish that we'll have to work through each one, but I find it's a really good tool to make sure that during your debrief, you're you're trying to keep a balanced view. Because at the end of the day, you you want to take all this stuff and decide like what are you what are you going to do differently? How are you going to change things? And unless you work through those different spaces, you're you're not going to come out with a balanced view. So uh, do I have uh, the okay to go ahead with this? Yeah, yeah good. Please. Five so thumbs I, up. <laughs> for people not listening to the podcast, I put my thumb up. Yes. And <laughs> expected you all to hear that. Thumbs up from me. Yes, please proceed. So why don't we start by, I think let's start with like lightning. So what were the things that surprised you actually, LJ, during the workshop? Uh, given that we were a post lunchtime workshop, I think it surprised me how how many people stayed in the room. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> and true. And how, how much energy they brought, to be honest with you. And uh, that's probably my cynicism. And maybe it speaks a lot more about me. Maybe I would have got up and left. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That fills me with so much hope. <laughs> oh, my God. Can you believe if you had walked out of our own workshop, that would be that would have been hilarious it anyway. would have been absolutely savage anyway that's... that surprised me was actually when you think about these things but I mean when you're designing a teaching session at, at yeah. all yeah you have your idea about how it's going to go you have the ideal version and then you have the oh but let's be fair people aren't really going to and yeah. you've got all like you've got the reality and I actually think that it it was a lot more towards the ideal of what we like kind of idealized mm -hmm. in its design than mm -hmm. I expected it to be and it was a pleasant mm -hmm. surprise Mm -hmm. That's good. Well, when I when I think about that, like what contributed to that? And I think it's important for us to talk about this. I think there's so much about what I now choose to incorporate into my teaching sessions that comes from the simulation med ed theory base. And I think one of the things that I've really tried to implement more is putting effort into that brief um, and and putting effort specifically to create a, a safe sort of psychological space because people will not engage if they don't feel comfortable, if they don't feel like they're going to be seen, if they don't feel like they're going to be heard. And I think including those sort of um what did we call them like the rules of the workshop or whatever at the sort of sort of like a bit of housekeeping is paramount to that because you you cannot take that for granted when you've got a group of people who are at a conference and many of them wouldn't have spoken to each other before because we made sure that we split groups up yes and, yes. and so that can be quite a terrifying social situation to be in and so setting the ground rules, like if you're staying here, you're going to get involved. <laughs> if you're staying here, you're consenting to sort of this high paced exercise. You know, what's said in the room should be respected. And like, even though it goes without saying, 
you again can't take it for granted that 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 there can be different people in the room and that everyone should be treating each other with kindness and importantly respect so i think that that was definitely something that made a difference to that energy and engagement because everyone was sort of on the same page yeah absolutely and i think we we maintained the energy of that mm-hmm. energy throughout mm-hmm. but we weren't for the listener this sounds really intense and I think yeah. maybe the first five minutes may well have been quite intense because yeah. like I said it was post lunchtime and it was like go 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 but actually like I think that the energy was what that was positive in the room mm-hmm. and people came up to it quite happily mm-hmm. and it then everyone was then on the same level everyone was very like it was informal like people did mm-hmm. get get up and like you know if they need to leave the room they did like not to leave the workshop but mm-hmm. people were quite happy to get up like leave or come back again to take a phone call and no one felt trapped everyone felt very free to like say what they wanted to say and there was lots of laughter in the room when we were sort of debriefing again not in a horrible like your dream is rubbish way but like there were jokes flying around and you know we were all so comfortable with each other and I think that really added to the engagement and that safe space that was created right at the beginning and I think we could be quite flippant about the psychologically safe space yeah because it's we, yeah. we say it so often now yeah and it's easy to say oh this is a safe space no one's gonna say anything but yeah. actually I think that taking that time to really nail that point mm-hmm. in all of its different ways actually made a massive difference yeah and I think like I guess like the idea of us doing this podcast as well what what you were saying uh LJ to me it made me think about all those workshops I had been to at conferences where I didn't feel like comfortable enough to share my opinion because it didn't feel like a safe space, especially like as a more junior member mm-hmm. of the of the of the workshop. And I think I think my message to people out there who are creating workshops and and who want them to be inclusive and and for people to like participate in them they need to work like it's something you cannot you cannot just have it by virtue of like creating a workshop you've got like 30 plus people in a room of different grades with different backgrounds with different temperaments with different personalities and you want them to come together and work on something and that means that you need to create a space where people are prepared to be vulnerable and if Mm -hmm. you don't you know establish ground rules but also create safety so I think you guys working as facilitators and myself as well we were that backup because there were some tables where we had to interject and say like there was one person dominating the conversation we had to go actually what this person is saying is totally legit the person they were sort of Mm -hmm. reacting to and I think that's another thing that contributed to that was that there was safety netting there was checking so Mm -hmm. the success of the group discussion wasn't just based on the people who were in the group there was a facilitator to help guide discussion um because yeah. it can be difficult. You know, you were talking about there being high, higher end people. It can be difficult when you're in a group and you've got like a TPD or a dean or someone like that. And they're coming in and they're dominating the discussion. How can you as a trainee put yourself out there mm. unless you feel like uber confident? And so yeah. that's where a facilitator is actually super important. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, oh, I'll share with I, I'm, I'm like 
we can go on on for this forever, but we're then the podcast will take forever. <laughs> so I'm gonna share the thing that surprised me, and it's actually something that you said. So what surprised me, and I think this is more a reflection of my own assumptions, was how many people were there who were very senior in a professional respect, like they were, you know, uh, very experienced pharmacists or clinicians or public health professionals or nurses, and they considered themselves to be a developing medical educator. And like, part of me is like, oh, come on, Cora, I can't believe you. But I think that goes to show how like our assumptions can feed our like biases and because like I spend time with loads of like trainees or first five GPs who are developing medical educators I can actually sometimes forget there there are people out there who are like humble enough to say like even though I'm an expert in my profession I am learning how to become a medical educator And like, even though I always preach just because you're an expert in something doesn't mean you can't teach it. It was surprising that like I that surprised me. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. I think just seeing it so starkly, it was very clear, like of the 30 people, it was I was expecting a lot more students, a lot more sort of people in the first first five years post qualification of whatever their qualification was. And it. I would say half the room was of that demographic and the other half was very much not. Mm-hmm. And that, yeah, I think that surprised me as well. And I, I think like you, you, you talking about that, LJ, it makes me think how I wonder whether sometimes using the term early career is a misnomer because mm. you can be like late career, but like developing as a medical educator and considered early career in that respect. Mm-hmm. And I wonder... I mean, that's why we're called the Developing Medical Educators Group and not the Early Career Group. Yeah, I suppose so, yes. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it, it was amazing. Like, I, it, like, like, reflecting on that, I was like, well, Cara, like, check yourself. Like, mm. So it was great. It was honestly so great. Like, there is, I think, at least one or two, like, like, consultants with, like, 10, 15 years, like, of consultant experience in their specialty. And they were there engaging in this exercise and and talking about themselves as an educator not talking as much about how they help others but they were like this is what I want to do too yeah (laughs) you know and and also like their their like the barriers and issues and problems Mm -hmm. and frustrations are are ones that I I don't know yet Mm -hmm. (laughs) they're just they're 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 facing completely different types of barriers than I Mm -hmm. than I could possibly imagine at my stage as a trainee Mm-hmm. But by virtue of the fact that they are senior and they're already in certain rooms and they're already doing certain things and actually like maybe being faced with some side eye from your immediate colleagues on the same level as you for doing some education mm-hmm. that feels different to the yeah. to the opinion that other trainees have about medical education for me now because mm-hmm. people think that's, that's cool and impressive and something that they would also like to get involved in yeah you know what I mean it's just like it's yeah. a completely different set of frustrations and barriers that yeah. you must face if you are later in your clinical career yeah and I hadn't appreciated that so I think actually that was a positive thing for me to learn yeah. what was that the the challenges are just as real and just as annoying and frustrating yeah and they're they're different just by virtue mm. of being later on in your health professions career yeah 
doesn't mean being an educator is any easier. And I think that's a reflection of the medical education culture Mm -hmm. and the way we respect medical education within the like our professions mm-hmm. and so that's a bigger discussion <laughs> way that bigger must, discussion yeah way bigger discussion so I'm gonna I'm gonna like pop that on a shelf and we will take that down <laughs> at our next MedEd cafe so you actually already started with like your positive sorts of things so that was mm. one of the positives you had I think when I was thinking of one of the positives in that you know like you were saying the differences what gave me hope was the way everyone came together and even though they came from different health professions education backgrounds and had different levels of experience both professionally and within medical education we are all encountering barriers and and many of them are are very similar and it's through that sort of vulnerability that we find connection but it also gave me hope because I was like okay There are things that we can do as a medical education community that will make a difference to everyone, Mm -hmm. you know. So I thought it was worthwhile because this is what people have been listening in for. Like, what are they talking about? (laughs) I know, like, we didn't keep the post-it notes, which is such a shame. The post-it notes, people's grievances. But I remember one thing that stuck out for me was the clear pathway. Did you have any discussions about that? I mean, it's something that's come up. I mean, DMEG have done a, a good number of workshops over mm-hmm. a couple of years. It's been up and running and it's come up every single time in every workshop. In workshops that DMEG don't run, it comes up. It's just, I think people really crave that clear map and pathway mm-hmm. through a career in medical education. And part and, and half of me mo- most of the time is like, I don't think it exists. And it yeah. can't exist because yeah. of medical education is so huge and varied. Like you, mm-hmm. there is there is no such thing. Mm-hmm. It can't that can't be. Mm-hmm. And when you kind of look at look at people who are perhaps ever so slightly more senior than us, or people that are, are so, you know, there's a clear entry point, right? Is your CTF job or your your teaching fellow job, or Perhaps even in in medicine anyway, there are academic roles that you can have in your first two years of qualifying. And even some medical schools have like medical education societies and things. Mm -hmm. And they're like clear places to go. Mm -hmm. But then from that, it really feels like it's the experience that you've had and the people that you've met and the opportunities you've been given in that position that then sets you off on your career. Mm -hmm. And I I would say that hand on heart that's why I'm still in medical education now yeah it's because I happen to have a really good CCF job yeah and I was well supported in my master's when I was doing Mm -hmm. it and Mm -hmm. that allowed me to have space in my master's to explore the thing I was interested in and it also allowed me to sort of have experiences in assessing people teaching people Mm -hmm. designing learning doing a bit of research, like kind of evaluating my my teaching sessions and presenting it at conferences. And I got to hit so much of what it is to be an educator in that one 12 month period that that then filled me with more confidence. And I met people by virtue of that, filled me with more confidence and I got made positive steps of that realising. And I think that I don't even know where I'm, I'm going with this, but the, the pathway doesn't <laughs> You're exist going somewhere. The pathway doesn't exist. It's sort of it. It's almost that 
I, I spoke to somebody else about this recently yes. it's almost like you're in a forest and you're running, going along a path quite happily like fairly subconsciously and then you it suddenly stops and you're like oh where do I go and then you kind of like kind of climb over a tree stump or something and you kind of get and you find another path you're like oh okay and you sort of like kind of meander along that for a little bit longer but actually had you turned to the left and not to the right there would be another path somewhere else further down the line it's just yeah. about navigating that moment of ah oh, what do I do now and how do I get yeah. there yeah I, it's so interesting that you see that LJ because what I was thinking about when you were talking about that was how you know it's, it's so cliche but it's not about the destination but about the journey right mm. so I wonder whether you know you were talking about how people like really crave it mm. I wonder what whether we need to reimagine what that pathway looks like like rather than it being like a training program like you would do for I don't know like you want to become a GP or an orthopedic surgeon etc and you get like a med ed training number and then you're guaranteed a job for the next couple of years and you, you have like an ARCP essentially or appraisal or whatever and you know you look at your goals etc I mean obviously that would be desirable but that is I don't like you're saying I don't know whether that's ever achievable but I wonder about having more of a map to help curate that journey through the forest, because I think that's the thing about being in a forest and sort of running along paths. Where the heck are you going? Like, are you mm. exiting the forest? Are you just doing circles of the forest? Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> are you like going back? And so like that's where I started thinking about the professional standards in medical education mm. and whether that the academy has and whether we need to try and incorporate that more into our discussions with our mentors and our mentees because the way the professional standards are divided it gives you a good spread of the expectations of what you should be able to sort of do as an educator but it also gives you sort of like guidelines and steps but if we were to do that what we definitely need is more jobs at a sort of middle grade education level so at the moment, we have one year uh, entry level posts, which are the CTF posts. And then you have like the big boy jobs. <laughs> yeah. And there isn't much in between. And I really worry about those amazing, talented, enthusiastic CTFs who leave their fellowship and then they go back into the training system. And because of the way the training system is constructed, they don't get the opportunity to flex those med ed muscles. They don't get time to sort of dedicate to developing their teaching or doing a leadership project, et cetera. And I, so I think like in order for us to help create a, a better rather than a, a clear pathway, a better pathway for the medical educators of the future is going to take a little bit of creativity. It's going to take a little bit of like thinking outside the box and it's, and it's going to take funding. Like yeah. it's going to it's 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 going to take um, money. And that was something else. Right. That people mm -hmm. talked about. Yeah, it, it came up in every single group. They were like funding to be able to go to conferences, funding to help support the cost of doing a PG cert or a master's um, funding to do some added like courses on the side. Yeah. 
it's a it's a it's a, it's a, it's a big issue that we, we we you and I often talk about but we also try and bring to the attention of sort of those medical education leaders like there needs to be more money to develop medical educators because otherwise all these incoming doctors that are um, going to apparently fix the NHS, the falling. I mean, who's going to educate them? And right now, if we don't change things, it's just going to stay the same or get worse. Yeah. Um, so I guess on that timeline of worse. So things that went well is that like loads of people shared their ideas and that we had really interesting discussions. And I think we could go on forever about things that went well. What are things that like sort of like, yeah, that that were like negative or made you think, OK, we need to do something differently next time. And I think this question, LJ, is both in respect to the workshop, but also in respect to like med ed supporting our developing medical educators uh well i'll go with the workshop first i mm. think because that's easier to answer <laughs> I think that they're, they're, not that not that there was loads wrong i think it's important we show people that like yeah. this is something <laughs> we do after we've designed and delivered the workshop we come together and go what could we have done better yeah, so there were two things I think that we identified at the time, mm -hmm. and correct me if I'm wrong if you disagree. Um, so part of this higher pace, high energy feel we were trying to, to trying to sort of create is that we had a little ball that we would throw and get people to like <laughs> catch the ball, and then they spoke if they were holding the ball. Um, I think it transpired pretty quickly that the ball wasn't working, or at least throwing the ball and expecting people yeah. to catch it wasn't working. Yeah. But that was okay. We, yeah. at the time we 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 managed that by maybe putting the ball on the table yes. and inviting somebody to grab the ball or yes. to take responsibility for the ball and they would speak on behalf of their table I think people yes. were more comfortable with that maybe we tried to run before we could walk but yeah. it's okay like you we learn like you can't unless you're prepared to make mistakes yeah. um you cannot learn and we are not perfect people so if for our viewers sake we had this great idea with the ball and I using my basketball <laughs> throw <laughs> threw it at someone it bounced on the table and hit them in the face there were no injuries um and any sustainable injuries everybody's nose was very much intact the glasses were okay but yeah, yeah great idea needed some adjustment so I'm sorry if the person who I hit in the face with the ball is listening I'm so sorry about that <laughs> and we are going to do better and if there were any issues please email me yeah <laughs> you're gonna get a bill for a pair of glasses or something or for a nose oh, job oh my goodness um so and the other more practical thing if, yeah. if there could be anything more practical than not throwing a ball at someone's face yeah is um we the slides that we were using we had fairly um um I'd say they're quite pretty slides yeah there was there was very little sort of like written information on because we wanted people to be like really engaged and listening mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um I think that was a, a noble intention mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I think that when we were setting the three tasks those three yeah. sort of questions what's what frustrates you what's the biggest dream and you know what are your small steps going to be I think that people in the like you kind know, of excitement of it all almost yeah. forgot immediately what we asked them to do yeah and yeah. in facilitating that first like kind of couple of seconds people would mm -hmm. be like what's the question what are we doing yeah um yeah, yeah. so I think that a practical a practical thing that we can do better next time is literally just to have a written instruction on the slide yeah yeah 
Yeah. And you know what? Like in the moment, we probably could have written it. We had like a little board yeah. with markers. So we could have done it there. We could mm. have like made sure that someone wrote it down. So there are lots of like creative ways because I think one of the limits we had was that it was go time that week and we didn't have much time to prepare our slides. But yeah. definitely moving forward, if we're going to do group exercises like that within the time frame that we had, we'll definitely have written instructions in some form, in some way. Mm -hmm. And so for the workshop, for me, I would definitely agree with those things. Uh, those are things that we've added. I think for me, it's like, like, um, I think if I was to do something differently, I think I would have had more time because it felt really difficult to achieve what we wanted to achieve within those 60 minutes. Mm. And it was really helpful that it was like fast paced and high energy. But I wonder whether an hour was long enough and it would have been helpful to have a little bit more of leeway so I actually mm -hmm. prefer conferences that set out like a 90 minute workshop because it takes time to get to know the participants in your group and if you're really going to get good stuff out of the conversation there needs to be that like group formation that happens like there needs to be like the norming the storming all those yeah. different phases mm -hmm. And that includes things like, dare I say it, icebreakers, you know, like, Sounds you know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Everyone hates them. They serve a purpose, people. OK, um, <laughs> they do. They do. And you you reserve the right to hate them. Like we all have opinions about things. Um, and many of those opinions would shock other people. But like, it's OK not to like it's them. It's a bit they like do... broccoli. It's good for it's... you. Just <laughs> it's OK. You know that it's good for you. Just just let it happen. Just let it happen. So that was one one thing. And then the other thing was, I actually wish we had recorded people's um, sort mm. of discussions a little bit better. So I took some notes on the side and I um, did a voice message after the workshop with my reflections. But I think it would have been really helpful if we had actually collated those because there was so much information there that was mm -hmm. useful to us as like a subcommittee, uh, as a committee, a DMEG committee, but also as mentees and mentors. Um, and I think it's important that we share that. And I mean, this podcast is part of it, but there's only so much you can say in a podcast as well. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would do differently. So I think we're, that's what uh -huh. uh, you're... you're question from earlier like what can we do better in in a more mm -hmm. wider sense yeah I think like just taking maybe following our own advice following the own, our own workshop and actually kind of thinking okay what are we going to do with this mm -hmm. like what are we going to do what what how are we now going to positively contribute to a positive change in medical education yeah. using what we know keeps coming up it's mm -hmm. you know you go to conferences and time and time again you see the same projects and with all the best intention yeah. you know people or, or, or teaching fellows or students or you know maybe later in their career will, will produce and present the same thing time and time mm -hmm. again and that the 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 field doesn't move forward with yeah. it yeah. and I think that you know we we can if we wanted to continue to play along in the same way that it's always been we keep doing mm -hmm. the same workshops we can keep having the same conversations but how are we going to make it better and I think that 
to follow our advice from the third bit of the workshop is actually what what do we think we're going to do about it yeah and how do we break that down into very small steps and I think Mm -hmm. that you know just for us sharing our workshop on Twitter and then us sharing in you know fairly forensic detail our workshop in this podcast yeah by way of disseminating stuff so it's more accessible to those who couldn't attend is a positive small step Mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but I think I think mm-hmm. that's a good thing and I think that you know you know work that we're we're all doing in medical education but doing a like kind of looking at what what CTF roles exist and yeah. how we can make them better and actually what does that look like and what does that mean and things like that I think it shows that you're listening if you yes. act on it doesn't it and yeah. I think that we are listening and we are making very small steps towards actioning what we've heard mm-hmm that's what I think we could do better in medical education. And I think we're doing yeah. it. Yeah, I, I, we're trying. <laughs> trying. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> Here us people, we are actively trying. And I think it's it's important to, to acknowledge that. It's sort of that question, you know, like I remember when I was first writing one of my abstracts and I went to someone for advice who's quite involved in, in mid-ed and mid-ed conferences. And they were like, the question you need to ask is, so what? And if you can answer that question with your abstract, like, why does this matter? What difference does it make? How does it contribute? Those sort of feelings, then then, then you're on to something. And I think it's really important that when we go to these conferences and engage in these discussions and workshops, that we hold ourselves accountable and we mm-hmm. go, OK, so what? It's like, so what are we going to do about it? That's the question we need to ask. And and I think it's worth putting it out there to our listeners being like, what are your so what's? What are things that you think that we could do as a group to help facilitate this? Because I think by us like having this discussion and putting it out there into the public sphere, open to both praise, but also criticism is Mm -hmm. us trying to get the developing medical educators voice out there. And it's not only for fellow and um, like uh, early career developing medical educators, but it's also for those people who are in charge of stuff like, yes. you know, this is what's going on for us. Um, and I know for a fact there are some of those people who listen to our podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, so so please, if you're in a position where you can actually create change within um, training programs or university sort of institutions or or in any other capacity if you have pe- if you if you have people who answer to you I think you're in a position to create change I think that's that's mm-hmm. the thing I mean even if you don't but for the sake of our discussion please bring developing medical educators to the table because if you don't involve them then when you guys leave and retire and do your own thing there won't be people to uh, take your place and and help move things forward. So I think I'm going to use this podcast as like a little platform to say, please, please, please um, ask the people who are involved in in teaching your sessions, et cetera, and ask them what they need and and try in whatever capacity to help with that. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the final thing, which I think is an interesting one to end on, was the like, what were the things that puzzled you? What were the things that you like didn't understand? Why are you laughing? <laughs> I'm constantly puzzled, Cara. <laughs> it's my it's my standard state of being. 
you're hilarious. You are you are downplaying the the awesome like beast of a woman that you are. Like like Thank the you. way you're <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't fall for LJ's like tricks. She is <laughs> like a force to be reckoned with. Um but that's that's actually quite humble to say like I'm always kind of confused because I think we all are but like what were the things that puzzled you like about what happened during the workshop so like the conversations that were happening and stuff I think I spoke a bit about it earlier it was just like seeing that that almost restriction or limitation on thinking that we've all fallen into right just yeah. like it's almost like um sort of have be, being a have being a puppy that's been kicked and it's just yeah. like it's, it's sort of learned not to ask conditioned. anymore. Yeah. It's like, yeah, exactly. You've been conditioned and you've been conditioned that there's no money for that. And no one's taking this seriously. And da, 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 da. and you're thinking, oh, my goodness gracious me. Like, yeah. I, how could I possibly dream of a not not just getting funding for a conference, but perhaps that conference is free or perhaps, yeah. you know, being able to do a master's degree and you know being supported to do that god forbid yeah. you know it was just seeing people kind of like get to the limit of what they thought was possible mm-hmm. when when they were told there was no limits and yeah. then and then telling them okay now go one step further and then just seeing their like brain just go Ooh. yeah and listeners i've just done a big like explosion thing with my mouth <laughs> it's just i think that that puzzled me because we are all such enthusiastic that we're educators we're enthusiastic Mm. we care about the thing that we're teaching we care about developing others in some way shape or form we must do otherwise we wouldn't be in education and it's just that we don't treat ourselves in the same way yeah that we treat the people that we teach or educate Mm. you know yeah it makes me sad that conditioning like I that 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 shocked me but also I I also struggled to understand that Mm. and yet when I reflect on myself I'm just as guilty of that yeah (laughs) right right like and I think it's so difficult because in order to be successful like in order to make a difference you have to be aware of the obstacles that are are there like you, otherwise you're naive you know like yeah. and you don't have experience so some part of you needs to go through that but I wonder whether it's about creating that culture of failure um I was speaking to someone recently and they were talking about how your aim actually when you're publishing should be to be rejected like when mm-hmm. you're getting your stuff out there your aim should be to be rejected by a a paper and and like be told like it needs to be better because like the success of peer-reviewed publication doesn't come without those barriers and obstacles and and while that's something that people who are quite experienced and have been successful have learned it's not something that we share much like in our community so it's about like supporting people to recognize that actually failure and rejection is a part of carving out a new career for yourself like it's going to be difficult you're going to you know encounter difficulties but making sure that we have the those people have the support to acknowledge those rejections feel them for what they are which is like crap like mm-hmm. grieve but then be able to pick themselves up and move on with yeah. the idea that, oh, I'm 
I'm, I'm going to do something about it or I'm a little bit better for it rather than, oh, crap, I'm never going to do that again. And there's no way I'm going to get funding, et cetera. But it's hard, man, because of the way things are out there at the moment yeah. in the NHS. Like, it's think, so hard. I think similar but different was immediately after the workshop, there were a couple of people in very similar sort of stages of training as myself. Mm-hmm. So sort of a, a, tra- a, a junior doctor, a trainee. Mm-hmm. Um, and asking me what what I do in education and sort of because I introduced myself at the beginning of the session who I was my educational role my clinical one and you know people see people trying to add it up in their head like how does that work and they come and ask me at the come and ask me at the end what I how I manage my week and how I do both of those things at the same time and I think I I, I think I present it fairly easily it's not a, mm-hmm. it's not difficult it just you just need to ask the right questions at the right times and Bob's your auntie right mm-hmm. and it was just that I think what puzzled me was them asking me how what I do and how I do it me re- responding in a quite simple or what I thought was quite a simple this is the mm-hmm. answer with a few sort of answers as to what the what the perceived barrier would be like you know it's difficult to find an educational role that's part-time and me replying with well I've applied for a role that was full-time and asked for be part-time do you know what I mean like trying to sort of like already dismantle that barrier for them and at the end of that being very puzzled that they were like oh no but it wouldn't work for me yeah and I think why (laughs) Why and I think and like not not in terms of like it wouldn't work for me because my lifestyle wouldn't support that or whatever it was it's more of a oh but that sounds like a really lucky situation that you found yourself in LJ but it wouldn't work for me and I'm thinking, why not? Yeah. Are we the same? <laughs> it's it's so interesting. It I I'm going to like react to that word you used, which was luck. And I don't like that word, partly because my mother and my grandmother. So my grandmother was quite a religious woman, but she was a fabulous woman as well. Anyway, she hated when we used the word luck because she didn't believe in it. Yes, there's an element of serendipity and about opportunities and taking them. But a lot of what we've been able to achieve has been through a lot of hard work and and sacrifice as well. And I think I'll tell you, I haven't told you this LJ yet, actually. But recently, I sat in a session with someone who I really admire. And we were, you know, talking about doing a project together or achieving something. And this person, towards the end of the discussion, was like, okay, we've got, you know, 15 minutes left and we haven't talked about this. What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And I was so overwhelmed by that person's question. I started to cry. I know like it was such a and it just goes to show it's not that like okay listener like I'm I'm I've been privileged and very very um lucky like in the sense that I'm I feel very grateful for the fact that I have some amazing medical educator mentors but I think my reaction to that is more a reflection of what it feels like on a day-to-day basis to be a medical educator who's also a clinician and how it feels to sort of not take the the well-trodden path and how you can feel like a lone wolf sometimes. And I was so, like, honestly grateful for the fact that that person said that to me. Like, because it came out of, no, like, I didn't expect it. You wish for it, you desire it. But I was so overwhelmed by it that, yeah. And I think this shows me that, like, we need to do better mm-hmm. and we can do better. 
and like DMEG is part of part of making things better or at least I hope it is that's why we're involved with it isn't it LJ yes yeah, yeah. I, I would hope so I think that we we've created and are perpetuating something that's making a positive mark on the world yes so I think we've essentially gone through the Veda model and we've talked about the things that went well and the things that were positive, the things that didn't go so well and what we would do differently, things mm-hmm. that shocked us and the things that, you know, we that puzzled us. And we talked about our so what, so what we're going to do next. So I think what you and I are going to do next is have a meeting to talk about, you know, what are what are the actual concrete steps that we're going to take so sort of like put to action all the things we discussed here but what I'd like to do is open the floor to our listeners so if you have any ideas or experiences or things that you think could be done better within the MedEd community we want to invite you to reach out to us and you can do this through various modes so you can um dm the official uh dmeg twitter account but we also have an email address where you can contact us and so we want people to give us feedback and tell us what you think and we also want feedback on this podcast because it's a different style right it's uh <laughs> yes <laughs> i know we've, we've been having quite a long chat about what was meant to be one thing but ended up being lots of different things oh yeah so if if our if our friends and colleagues and listeners don't like the digressions, <laughs> let us know. <laughs> yeah, I, if you, like, if you is... looked at this and you thought, oh, this would be quick. Yeah, sorry, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the thing. Like this is the we do we do a lot of editing, right? And that's important. And there's space for short podcasts and there's space for longer podcasts. But I think there's something about this sort of discussion and and, and conversation. I think we owed it to our participants to be really open and honest about um, our experience creating the workshop, their experience within the workshop and what we thought we could do differently. And and the other reason was to empower people to be able to do it at home and recreate Mm -hmm. it for themselves. So we hope this has worked. Any closing remarks? Thank you all for listening. And I hope it's been helpful. I hope that everyone feels at least some part invigorated activated inspired like we felt after hosting the workshop and please do get in touch even if it's just for a laugh we love it or come to dmeg debates we have them too yes please do if you want to join in the conversation it's it's basically this it's dmeg debates is basically this so just join in it's good fun and we we'd love to meet you So that's it for today's episode of Medical Educate Talks. We hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, please give us a follow so you can find out when the next episode is released. If you'd like to find out more information about the Developing Medical Educators group, visit medicaleducators.org and we'll see you in the next episode.